Remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. I see no reason why gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Guy Fawkes, Guy Twas his intent to blow up king and parliament. Three score barrels were laid below to prove old England's overthrow. By God's mercy, he was catched with darkened lantern and burning match. So holler boys, holler boys, let the bells ring. Holler boys, holler boys, God save the king. And what shall we do with him? Burn him. Hello, <laughs> welcome to Emma's ESL English. And this week we're going to be talking about Guy Fawkes. On the 5th of November, Saturday, it's bonfire night in the UK, otherwise known as Guy Fawkes night. And this is a day of remembrance or celebration, we're not quite sure, um, for Guy Fawkes who is probably one of the most infamous people in the UK and he tried to blow up Parliament in 1606. It's a long time ago but we remember him well. Kids learn this nursery rhyme that you just heard in school and they learn all about Guy Fawkes in school and it's supposed to be about teaching us to remember that treason is bad. But during the course of today and tomorrow, we'll talk about quite how that plays out. So today I want to talk about the history, what led to Guy Fawkes and the context around that. And tomorrow I want to talk about Guy Fawkes today. So modern in modern life, how is Guy Fawkes still important? How does he continue to impact British, but also potentially the world? Um, we really still remember this guy. It's quite a legacy. <laughs> okay, so Guy Fawkes was born in 1570 in York, in England, and he was a Catholic, but not by birth. He chose to become a Catholic. I guess that made him more fervent, but this is why we have to talk about the context of Guy Fawkes, because if we just say he was Catholic, it doesn't really sound like much. But we have to remember that Guy Fawkes was born in a time where the church that you worshipped in was a big political decision. It could even be a life and death decision. So, let me take you back, 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 way before 1570 to this kind of famous guy. His name is Henry VIII. Have you heard of him? Yeah, he's kind of our like most famous king, I think. <laughs> Henry had a problem. He needed a boy child so that he could continue the line. But it wasn't working out. We now know that's Henry's fault, but in those days it was the lady's fault. So Henry's logic was, if I have a different wife, then I will definitely have a boy this time. It's all her fault. And yeah, that ended in, well, infamy <laughs> at the very least. So let's start at the beginning. Henry VIII is married to Catherine of Aragorn and that is his brother's wife 
And he has a lot of kids with her, but unfortunately, only one of them makes it past infanthood. And her name is Mary I, or Bloody Mary, or Mary Tudor. But Mary's not good enough. He needs a boy. So he wants to marry again. He falls in love, maybe, possibly, with Anne Boleyn. And he wants to marry Anne Boleyn because he needs to be married to the mother of his child for them to officially become king. I mean, really, he probably could have got around it, but... So he, he wants to marry Anne Boleyn, but Catherine of Aragorn is still alive. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he wants a divorce from Catherine of Aragorn, but he's Catholic. Everybody's Catholic. The whole country is Catholic at this point. In fact, the whole of Europe is Catholic at this point. So that's a problem because no divorce if you're a Catholic. So Henry being the King of England, decides to pop with that, I'll just start a new church. Seems a bit extreme, but it did the job. Basically, he became the person in charge of the English church, Church of England or the Anglican church, and thus made the Pope no longer important in any decisions. This this did a lot of good for Henry, actually, because it meant that he could um, take over all of the Catholic land in the UK and sell it to people, give it away as presents, steal all of the stuff from it and sell it. Got a lot of money out of this deal. So it wasn't just uh, a benefit from him in his marital life, but it also was a major benefit to him as a king and how much money he had. Obviously... It's kind of a big deal if you decide to just erase the person in charge of the church and put yourself in that position instead. Especially when the entire country is Catholic. So this caused a bit of a problem. This is called the Reformation in British history. And it just means that starting of a new church. A similar thing was happening in Scotland. So in Scotland it's called Presbyterianism. And in England, it's called Protestant. You become a Protestant if you were the um, Anglican or English church. You still with me? It's confusing, I know. So then, having become in charge, he said, divorces are fine. It's all good. We can get divorced. No problem at all. Easy, cool, fantastic. So he divorced Catherine of Aragon and he married Anne Boleyn. Unfortunately, the problems continued. Anne Boleyn um, had Queen Elizabeth I, another very famous queen in the UK. We'll come back to her. Still, no luck on the boys though. So she had to go and finally, from his third wife, Jane Seymour, he had Edward VI. Okay right? You with me? We'll not go on to the rest of the wives. It's a long story. We don't need that for what we're talking about today. So Edward VI, when Henry dies, Edward VI takes over as king, but he doesn't last. He really doesn't last very long at all. So very quickly then, Mary I, so Henry's first child with his first wife, Catherine of Aragorn, becomes the monarch in the UK. But 
Edward continued, he was raised Protestant and he continued as Protestant. When Mary comes onto the throne, she's Catholic. Her mother's Catholic. Their whole family is Catholic. Their whole family is very important in Europe and they're all Catholic. So she wants to convert the UK back to Catholicism and basically undo everything that her father did. But by this point, we're like 50 years later. So half the country is very happily Protestant the Catholics have had a lot of trouble during Henry's reign. It's not very nice. So converting everybody back to Catholicism is not like a quick deal, which is why she's called Bloody Mary, because she killed a bunch of people, basically, to deal with the problem. Then Mary dies and Elizabeth comes onto the throne. So Elizabeth I comes onto the throne and she lasts quite a long time. She sort of has a foot in each camp she she tries her best to compromise between the churches and she's very effective as a queen she expands uh, colonization and and adventuring across the world exploration she's very effective meanwhile up in scotland we have james v who is in charge of scotland so the the english king is only in charge of england and ireland at this point and Scotland is a totally separate country. And uh, James V is in charge in Scotland. James V has a daughter, Mary, Queen of Scots. So two Marys, totally different Marys. Mary, Queen of Scots, is basically a baby when she comes to the throne. She lives in France. She's, she's super Catholic. She's pretty Catholic. And she has one son, James I. Mary, Queen of Scots, and Elizabeth butt heads a lot over the years. And uh, when Mary gives birth to James, stuff happens. She basically gets kicked off the throne. James is installed as a puppet king. He doesn't really have much power because he's a baby. <laughs> and um, Queen Elizabeth imprisons Mary Queen of Scots for basically 18 years. She never sees her son grow up. They never connect again. Drama. Lots of drama in the UK at this time. James, who is at that point James the sixth in Scotland, is raised Presbyterian. And he is formally accepted by Queen Elizabeth I as his heir on her deathbed. Obviously, Queen Elizabeth famously, no babies, virgin king, so, queen, virgin queen. So she has no children to take over as heir. She really doesn't want him, but it's kind of her only choice. So James VI of Scotland becomes also James I of England. He would like the two countries to come together, never quite succeeds. He is Presbyterian, so... He's not particularly tied to the idea of Catholicism or Protestantism. And he's a pretty good king, actually. He lasts a pretty long time. He does a lot of stuff. He establishes the first colony in the Americas, Jamestown, which still exists today. He was probably gay. He had a lot of male lovers, which he elevated to very high positions. But he had seven kids. He knew he needed to be producing babies. He had seven kids and he's famous for writing several books, including one that's basically like a how to be king book, which apparently was a bestseller at the time. 
Um, he also oversaw a new translation of the Bible, which is still the most famous selling Bible in the UK today. And it's called the King James Bible. And we get uh, four famous idioms from this Bible, which are to see eye to eye, fly in the ointment, the blind leading the blind and to give up the ghost. I will cover those in the blog. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. <laughs> so into the world 1750 so mm, elizabeth is queen from 1558 to 1603 so guy fawkes is born into england york in england in 1570 under queen elizabeth's reign he converts to catholicism and then in uh, 1603 James I becomes king of England here is this interloper from Scotland nobody liked Scotland at that time the English and the Scottish were still having pretty regular battles at this point in time and here is this guy from Scotland who comes in and he's not even Catholic which is important to Guy Fawkes but not really to anybody else in the country Can you imagine how this goes? Yeah, it doesn't go well. I'm going to leave it there for today. <laughs> That's a lot of drama, right? <laughs> wow. British history. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm going to leave it there for today. Tomorrow, I will briefly go over how Guy Fawkes fits into this picture and why he had this plot. And then we'll talk about him now in modern times. I will see you tomorrow. Bye.